0: Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. You know, we've been talking about culture we've been talking about clothes and the global you know impact of the fashion industry and and human suffering and exploitation of the most vulnerable and innocent people around the world just soft topics like that we've been talking about the Bible, and for many of you last week, you know your minds were blown open to the possibility that the Bible is progressive, subversive, redemptive, library of books pulling society and culture forward into a better future. Um, so you know, topics like church and the fashion industry, and our clothing, and you know, and so I thought we could talk about politics today. Does it sound like, I mean, why, why not? <laughs> why not just talk about everything you're not supposed to talk about? Um, that way you're prepared for Thanksgiving meal. Sound good? Because you know <laughs> you have, uh, you have uh, some stuff that you want to do. So um, I'm just going to jump in. This political season has been chaotic. Would you, can we just, yes, chaotic? Is that a good term I can use? A Washington Post article came out, um, and a therapist in su- the suburban Washington said, um, has, has even characterized what he's seeing in patients as election st- stress disorder. <laughs> election stress disorder. Um, there was a poll that was re- recently done, and it says this. Do we have the poll in these slides? I forgot. 52% of us said that this election is a very significant or somewhat significant source of stress according to the American Psychological Association and Harris Polls. So we're stressed, 52% of us are stressed because of the election season. This is a season um, marked by anxiety, marked by fear, um, by, by anger, conflict, um, distrust. I mean, I think we could potentially, and I'm not, I'm not an expert on this, but we're getting close to the kind of distrust that you saw um, during the Vietnam War in the government. I mean, there's, we're, like when Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump's supporters are both saying it's rigged, there's something going on in, in, our, in our environment. Are you with me on this? So, and you don't have to be with me, you can disagree. I'm just a, a little pastor here in Long Beach that wants to talk about how do we engage in culture and the church, um, and in politics as the church. So that's kind of the premise of our series, so I thought we could just address this. But first let me just say, let us acknowledge the fact that the gospel has deeply political edges to it. Um, But that should be no surprise to anyone because Jesus was killed because he confronted a particular socioeconomic religious system. He confronted a very particular socioeconomic religious system and he was murdered for it. He was a first century Galilean revolutionary who proclaimed a kingdom other than the kingdom of Herod and Rome, and the gospel has deep political edges to it. To say that Jesus is Lord in first century was to say Caesar is not Lord, and that's significant for us. So how do we frame politics through the lens of Scripture? That's kind of where I wanna lead us, to get us to think about these things. And where, where do we go as citizens first of the kingdom of people who believe that Jesus died and lived again and concurrently lives, and how do we engage in this? So I'm gonna do four things, and they're not equal time. Um, so there are four simple points. First, I wanna show you how politics is a good thing. Um, second, I wanna show you, or really, I'm just gonna talk about the system we're in and systems and how we all play a role in that. Third, I'm gonna get you to think biblically about two different kinds of kingdoms we're engaged in at the same time. And uh, that's the third. And the fourth thing is I'm just gonna invite you to, um, to engage in the long, slow, arduous task of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Um, and so I'm gonna pray because I think this, this particular subject needs prayer. So Jesus, would you just wake us up? to um, your voice in the word. Wake us up, God, to um, your heart. And uh, allow us to be gentle to one another and harmless to our brothers and sisters in ways that we need to be harmless. But let us be vigilant and protest and fight for the things that are worth fighting for and spending our precious resources on. So we pray this in your name, amen. Quick disclaimer. For myself personally as a pastor, my interest is always giving voice to people who have no no voice and using all of our abundance and wealth and resources on behalf of those that have a shortage. So if you think I have a bias, that's my bias, okay? And so for some of you, you're going to see that in today's message. So um, I just, that's what it is. So point number one, politics is a good thing. Politics is a good thing. The word politics comes from a Greek word, politikos. It means of, for, or relating to the citizens. The process of making decisions, applying to all members of each group, affairs of the estate, affairs of public life. So one definition, the real definition of politics and why it's a good thing is this definition. It's how we as citizens arrange our common life together. Politics is how we as citizens arrange our common life together. So that right there is really important to know. When we talk about politics, that's actually what we are talking about, that there's some sense that we're in this whole thing together and therefore we need to make decisions, laws, amendments, and policies that that reflect the fact that we're all in this together, somehow arranging this common life together. So when somebody says, I'm just not into politics, or I'm just going to stay out of politics, well, you're completely missing the point because you have someone that comes to your house to take the trash away from your home. You have electricity wired into your apartment complex. You have running water in your faucets. Now, someone was elected, hired, um, selected, paid for um, into a position that empowered them to make the decision of where and how much that electricity costs per person, how much water uh, it's gonna take to fill the city. So when somebody says, hey, um, uh, I'm just gonna stay out of politics, you have ingredients on every box of food you eat because someone thought it's important to know what goes into our foods and what we're consuming. So when somebody says, I'm just going to stay out of politics, you can't because you're immersed in politics. Somebody has decided whether or not you will have running water. So if you have running water, you're part of this politic thing. Are you with me? So politics is a good thing. It's, it's a thing that we are beneficiaries of. There have been thousands of decisions made um, that benefit us. There are, have been systems created to ensure that the water stays on, that the electricity comes to our house, that the, the trash doesn't pile up, that we have roads and freeways and stop signs in public parks and public schools and Social Security, and all sorts of other things that we can debate all. All day long about, but these are systems created to empower this shared life together. Politics is a good thing. There are laws and amendments and policies and policies. Um, if we start talking policy, that's where we might start debating more and more because policies are how politicians get work done. And it's basically, they are the systems that are created, policies created to argue, to compromise, to move forward and make progress so that the system that's designed to, to arrange this common life together works for everyone. And there's something sacred about this. There's something sacred about our common life together. Something sacred and holy. And we need to pay attention to our shared life together. Our political system is designed to care and work for its citizens. And one thing to notice is that when it's not working for someone or a group of people, we need to pay attention to that. Would you agree? That when this system called politics, which is designed for our common shared life together, is not working for everyone, we need to pay attention to those moments in history, in time, in culture, in society when it's not working for everyone. So in order to demonstrate this idea of systems and the systems, I thought we'd play a similar game to Family Feud. Does that sound good? Okay, so I need, uh, anyone love Family Feud? Raise your hands if you love the game. I need seven volunteers to come and brace the stage and play a quick game of trivia that we're gonna play, okay? It's called The Game. I'm just gonna tell you what The Game is called. So what? raise your hand. You don't have to know anything about politics. Raise your hand. So you come up here. We got one. I can't see you. You come up here, John. Come up here. How about in the back? Come on. Through. Okay, yep, come on up here. Who else? That's four. I need, come on. All right, come up here. I need two more people. Uh, One more person to play the game. One more person. Come on. Come on. 915, get up here. All right, Joe, will you be the scorekeeper? Okay, come scorekeeper. You'll see. Okay, come up here. All right, you two, are a team, you guys stand right here. Um, We'll put you two together. You're going to be right here behind this microphone right here. You gotta stand. Mike um, and Ryan, you guys are gonna stand right here. Uh, please do not touch any of the items on the stage. Um, you will clearly be reprimanded. And okay, Joe, come over here, Joe. You're, gonna, you're just gonna, you're gonna hold this together. I have prizes. Oops, sorry about that. I have prizes for you guys and um, all sorts of goodies. So I just want you to stay with me. So Joe, come here. Um, these are gonna be the answers. You don't say anything, but we have three teams. This is gonna be team one. Okay, the middle one's team, th- this is team two, and over here in this far section is team three. Okay, so when some... I was going to go A, B, C. Okay, I appreciate <laughs> one, two, one, two, and three is a little more complex. Um, it's political. It? It's- <clears throat> so the game is called Politics, um, and it's, uh, it's about trust, but it's also about power. Um, it's about winning, but after all, we're all in this together. And, uh, the goal of the game is that everyone wins, but at the end of the day, it's politics. So, so one person or two people are probably going to win. And, um, so why don't we just know that as we head into this game called politics, I just, hey, I have no idea if this illustration is going to work. I just thought about it yesterday. So, uh, here we go. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you guys the rules. You two are together. You two are together. You two are together. And, um, so here's the thing. I'm going to read a question. Okay, and your job is to answer the question. It's that simple. You have to look forward because the question's gonna go up here, but you have to listen. You can't look at the answers that might show on the screen. So your job, here are the rules, three different teams. Your job is to answer as many questions correctly as you can. Each question has several different answers and each answer has a number associated to the answer. Um, And the more points you get, okay? So as you'll see, I promise it'll make sense. Just stay with me. As you say an answer, there's a number associated to it that Joe knows, um, and as you answer the question, there will be a number that will tally up your total score. The more points you get, the, the, more, uh, the closer you are to winning, okay? So that's it, so the more points, you become the winners. Whoever has the most points at the end wins. You can answer the same question multiple times because there are multiple answers to each question, um, but in order, here's the rule, this is very important. In order to answer the question, In order to answer the question, you have to buzz in each time. Does that make sense? So you will have a buzzer, and all of them are different. You have to buzz in to give your answer. That's the only way you can give an answer at this point. Make sure that the answer, uh, the buzz is loud enough for all of us to hear it. So that's the rule of the game. You simply have to answer. Please do not squeeze it or touch it unless um, you you have heard the question. So we'll start... um, in just a second, hold it. Don't touch it yet. Don't squeeze it. Don't make, make sure that you got it ready. Stand next to your buzzers. Question number one, get ready. Remember, you can buzz in multiple times. Once someone buzzes in, you give your answer, and then after that, we'll let you go again. But you have to buzz in to give an answer. Question number one, name a kind of club people join. <laughs> okay, I heard that one first. Jim. Jim, that's, that's correct. We have Jim. Okay, we'll go again. Open it up for another round make sure that you buzz, you have to use your buzzer, what, what, um, <laughs> you just gotta be, okay, go ahead, uh, a, community group. a community, so like, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, social club, yeah, that's a social club, that's close enough, okay, you can, a couple more, you gotta use your buzzer, please, all buzzers, please, uh, okay, keep, keep going, let's just keep the, keep the show going, yeah, yeah, go ahead, a political party. Yeah, we'll do that. A political party's on there. Why not? What else? Do you have any, any things that you want? We're playing. That, that's so great, but why don't you guys play the game? That's not how this game works, okay? Everyone, everyone has a buzzer, guys. Everyone has a buzzer. Use your buzzer, please. Remember that we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Oh, go ahead. Do you have anything you want to add? What? Country club. Country club. That's one. Okay. Round two, here we go. Oh, you stole, you stole team three. That, that's totally fine. That, that wasn't in the rules. So um, last one, name, I don't know. Name a song. This is a social experiment. Name a song that every little kid knows. We'll just do two questions. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that, that's not on, that's, that's incorrect. Go ahead. Uh, row, your boat. row, row, row your boat. Team one, row, row, row your boat. Yep, go ahead. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. That's correct. Oh, had a little lamb. That's, okay. Okay, okay. Do we have a winner yet? Let's just say, we'll just give two. Let's see. Can you add it up? Do you want? The winner would be just the middle group. The middle group won with the most points. Yes. Okay, because Jim, that one, the Jim won. So give it up for the middle group. Here, you guys, you guys get a consulary prize. So group number three, it didn't work for you really well, did it? No, I'm so sorry. Our voice wasn't being heard. You're reading way too much into this game, aren't you? <laughs> Thank you, guys. You guys can grab a seat. Team number three, you guys get the coveted I, uh, Long Beach as it is in heaven, oh, heaven mugs. Thank you. Oh, okay. So I don't know if this proved my point, but um, here's what's going on here. When tens of millions of people are being left behind in a system that's designed to share and organize and arrange common life together, do you think it's important that we listen to the voices who aren't being heard or who are being left out? You see, politics is a good thing if it works for everyone. And so we have to remember as citizens of the kingdom, as people who have come to understand the way this world really works, that Jesus, if you just read the scriptures, Old and New Testament, there's always a leaning towards the voiceless, the poor, the marginalized, those that are suffering, those that aren't included into the system. And, and, and yes, I rigged the game so the buzzer doesn't work. That's the point, is that we can just keep saying over and over again, well, you're in the system. When the system isn't working, let us stop, and make sure we understand what they're saying when they say it's not working. And we should protest as we play this game together. And we could have, someone could have stolen a buzzer or someone could have shared. But we're, we're a little iffy on the rules sometimes. And this is just my, my perspective. I'm just, again, this is Darren. This doesn't have to be anything. I'm just showing you how I see scripture and where I see it, that when tens of millions of people are being left behind, we need to pause and think about this current system and at least listen, ask questions. Remember that the family of God is one family for all other families, that we are one tribe for all other tribes, that we need to encourage and make progress together one step, one day, one policy, one vote at a time. That's where I just wanna invite you that the systems need to be challenged and let us not just stand on the outside of the system as prophets, although we can be prophetic and say there's something wrong with the system. Let us stay in the system and make progress in the system and bring redemption in the system. That's the way we gotta do it. And that takes a long, slow process, long, slow, arduous, day-by-day type of progress that takes um, years and years. And that's what we need to fight for. Are you with me on this? Does that make sense? Um, Should I do that illustration for the next few services? Just, was it helpful or no? No? Oh, you can talk to me after. Say, it didn't make sense. Uh, You lost me at Family Feud. Um, (laughs) Most of us in the room don't understand how the system is bent. And that has to do with our racial perspective and privilege. That has to do with our economic status. And we need to remember that. And as a, as a church, we need to fight for the underdog. We need to go for those that are suffering and yelling and protesting and listen and understand and make progress together one day at a time. And some of you, I just want one quick thing before we jump into the scriptures. Some of you don't wanna vote. You think, it's legitimate right now to think as a Christian, how on earth do you engage in this process right now? And, and, and I would argue that for some of you, yes, I totally understand. You want to opt out of this, 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 this season, this decision. You just wanna not vote. But I just wanna encourage you and say, if you are going to opt out, someone else will step in. And when, you, when we don't participate, someone else will. And the future is not a bunch of people opting out. The future is being more informed, more engaged, calling out the theater that this greatest show on earth called our presidential election has become, calling out the corruption and standing together in the system and speaking against the system, but at the same time being a part of the system and bringing renewal and redemption from within. So if you make the decision, I understand you can opt out, but just know someone else will step in. So don't be informed by Facebook comments or TV programs or SNL skits. Um, be proactive and do the research because politics is a good thing um, we aren 't playing a game, this is actually real life, and politics is how we arrange our shared common life together amen okay so let 's talk about the Bible okay, so I got a few minutes on the Bible, so that was the first two points Point three contrast the two kingdoms. So I want to show you that there are in the scriptures there are clear there 's clear evidence of two different kind, kind kinds of kingdoms at work so I think many evangelicals fuse the kingdom of God with a preferred version of the kingdom of the world. Whether it's our national interests, a particular form of government or a particular political program, uh, I think many of, of us as Americans have allowed our understanding of the kingdom of God to be polluted with political ideals, agendas and issues. A significant segment of American evangelicalism is guilty of nationalistic and political idolatry. So we've already called out consumerism a bit in the fashion industry and that as an idol. Um, And we've talked about all different cultural idolatry. We're gonna look at you know the next several weeks, consumerism and materialism. We're gonna look at um, how we spend our money, finances. So I thought, why not call out the American ideological and political idolatry that we have? And what do I mean by fusing this? Well, Greg Boyd says it really well. He says, for many Christians, listen to this. For many Christians, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, what Jesus preaches about, is largely about voting for a Christian candidate, outlying abortion, outlying gay marriage, winning the cultural war, defending political freedom at home and abroad, keeping the phrase under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, fighting for prayer in public schools and public events, and fighting to display the Ten Commandments in government buildings. This is their version of the kingdom of God. And that's a misguided perspective. There's nothing... If that's your fight, I understand why you're fighting for those things. But that's not the kingdom of God. The fusion of the kingdom of God with any other version of the kingdom of the world is idolatrous. And that fusion has had negative, serious consequences on the church and the advancement of the kingdom. John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus, confronted by the leader of Rome in Israel at the time, Pontius Pilate is questioning him. And Jesus says this to him, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus confronts what was going on, and what was going on is Jesus was handed over to Jewish leaders and the Roman government, and he was about to be executed on the cross, and in the kingdom of the world, the cross is the sign of ultimate defeat and humiliation, the cross was the sign of ultimate defeat and humiliation. And Jesus says, my kingdom's not of this world. So what you see is the cross is turned upside down and it becomes the Christian symbol of victory. Where the powers that would force this revolution, they're thinking, we're gonna come against this, use all of our power to end and crush this revolution. Jesus absorbs the crush. Death. Death sin, the powers of the world, and makes a spectacle of them. He strips them naked and shows them powerless and then shows them what real power looks like. You think in this world it's about domination. No, 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 no. It's about sacrifice and love. Two different kinds of kingdoms, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, look, you're not gonna win through domination. That's not how this thing is work. Look at Luke 22. Verse 24, how does the kingdom of world, of the world function in our society? Well, look at, Jesus just did in Luke 22. He just finished the, um, the Passover meal with his disciples and pro- brought up this new idea of the Lord's Supper and Communion. And then his disciples begin to argue. And it says in verse 24, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. So Jesus is talking about dying on, and, and new, a new covenant, God forgiving all sins. And and the closest followers of Jesus didn't even have a clue what he was talking about. That's that gives me hope. <laughs> they have no clue. And so if you're here and you think I have no clue, great, you're in good, you're in good company because that's what we see with the, the founders of the church. And he says, Who, who's going to be the greatest?" And Jesus said to them, "This is." I bet Jesus was almost sarcastic in tone. I, I, do you think Jesus can be sarcastic? Oh man. And just a side note, who are the only people that he confronts regularly with issues? The religious folks. Those are the people he's calling out as hypocrites. No one else does, do you see that except for those that are are supposed to be the guides for a blind world. Everyone else, he just, grace, love, your sins are forgiven, be healed, join me and dine with me. You're you're performing, you're, you're washing my feet. Like he just constantly after the least of these, regularly going after them. And it's the religious folks. But he says, Jesus says to them, the kings of the Gentiles, those who don't know God at all, lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactor. And then you could just see him. He says, But you are not to be like that. One little verse. You're not to be like that, lording it over them. The greatest among you should be like the youngest. And the one who rules, like the one who serves. And look at this. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, but I, the creator of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of Lord, the Messiah, Lord Jesus Christ, among you. I am among you as the one who serves. If there's anything that should transform our paradigm biblically on how we operate into this kingdom of the world. It's the lens of the kingdom of God that Jesus demonstrates and incarnates through his life. And here he says, look, the world does this. So let's keep it together. This is the world is on this side, okay? So this side you guys are the world. The world operates by dominating power over structure, exercising authority, but not so in the kingdom of God. You want to know who the greatest is? Well, it's going to be those who serve. And Jesus will regularly point out ways to serve. Now, Jesus teaches how to identify the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world. Whenever a person or group exercises power over someone or tries to exert power over them, that's a version of the kingdom of the world. Are you with me? And just so in the United States, as subjects of a particular rule, we get a say over who rules us. We vote for them and we have laws that govern this. This is a democratic process. Um, This is what it looks like. We're in a kingdom of a world where there's power structures that are here to help arrange our common life together. So that's a good thing. We know it's a good thing, but there are other governments that do the same thing. Socialists do it, fascists do it, communists do it, um, totalitarian governments. They're all the same version of the kingdom of this world with the same characteristics, power over people. This is how we, we have to govern. It's, it's a reality. And that's, that's part of scripture that teaches about this. But all the versions of the kingdom of the world do are try to influence how subjects think, think and feel, but their only power resides in their ability to control behavior. So just stay with me. I'm talking about the kingdom of the world. So a kingdom can stipulate that, that murder will be punished by death, but it cannot change a person's desire for murder. In the kingdom of the world, someone might refrain from killing for fear of being imprisoned or punished, but the kingdom of the world doesn't care why they don't kill someone. They only care for the outcome. The kingdom of the world only cares if a person conforms to the law enforced by power over methodology. But that's not how the kingdom of God works. It operates fundamentally differently, and our allegiance must be first to the kingdom of God. He says the king, kings and Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority um, over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Our version is the power under methodology. The kingdom of God, two different kingdoms working, power over and the power under. Here's a couple of passages that you see this. So as we operate in the system, as we operate into the world, as we engage on reformation and renewal and redemption of our political system and our culture, think of this, Philippians 2. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and one of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And the passage goes on. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, verse 23. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Paul says, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Verse 13 of John, Jesus says this. I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 14, Jesus says, know that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. The power of the world trusts in control, domineering, self-serving, exercising authority over, over people to control behavior. The power of the kingdom Trust in self-sacrificing love to transform the hearts and desires of its people. This is how the kingdom, I just want to show you the contrast now um, that you see in scripture. So I'll put the kingdom of the world over here. Kingdom of the world is power over people. The kingdom of God is power under. So think about this as characteristics that you carry. Just for a second. So as we talk about engagement in the system, what type of virtues and values and characteristics do you possess? Let's just go a step back before we go to politics. Your marriage. Do you operate through a power over mentality or do you operate from a biblical mentality, which is a power under? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died. (laughs) Yes, okay, so all right, we're on that. That will solve, wives, submit to your husbands. Place your well-being under your husband if your husband is a person that lays down his life for you. Okay, so uh, that's a whole marriage thing for some of you. So power over, power under. Judgment, how do we get people to do what we wanna do? You wanna know one subversive way that we do it? We judge them. Oh, oh, that's how you cook that meal? Mm, okay. My wife recently, uh, she was sick. She's like, oh, I don't do that when I put that in the stew. Okay, no, that's fine. You can do it your way. Um, <laughs> dang it. Um, <laughs> grace. So con- we control them. We try to control them. In the kingdom, we give freedom. We create space for people to be fully themselves. In, in um, the kingdom of the world, it produces anxiety and fear. In the kingdom of God, it produces peace. In the kingdom of the world, we're self-serving. In the kingdom of God, is service and sacrifice. The kingdom of the world is full of pride and the kingdom of God is humility and um, there's domineering mentality and there's love and then the kingdom of the world is focused on what people do and the kingdom of God is how people um, are and what they become. So look at this list over here and ask yourself in this, if you are engaging in political conversations, do, do your conversations look more like this? Or do they look more like this? And I guess that's really this whole point on politics is that, Wherever you go, however you vote, are you this kind of person when you go? When you sit at the dinner table for Thanksgiving and whoever becomes the next president, will you be a person full of grace and joy and peace? Or will you judge, control? When your neighbor puts the sign up for whatever person that you don't agree with, do you have grace and joy and and patience and love? Or is there judgment and anger and anxiety? And so here's the invitation for this next season. And I'm closing in perfect, 10.45, I did it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, here's what I wanna invite you to become. Here's, here's the encouragement. And I stole this from a sermon from Willow Creek. Uh, or actually, it was just a post on Instagram. So I, I got this from Instagram. Um, from from my friend from Willow Creek, Steve Carter. Um, and he's this is like a sermon that came out. And I thought this was so smart. It's about respecting people. But here's, I kind of modified it. Here's what I want to invite you into. For the next uh, few weeks and this season, would you pray for our country, our leaders, and all of our presidential candidates? There are more than two presidential candidates, just so you know. <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, the, and, and you know, the future, we and I'm not a politician, I'm not an expert in this, but we might need more options than two in the future moving forward. Um, where else do you only have two options? Honestly, where on else, where else in the world do you only have two options? I mean, you can go to the supermarket and there are 50 different kinds of ketchup. <laughs> like, come on. Okay, so we can, we, can, we can work that out. And you guys who are smart, you can go do that and, and fight for that. Okay, <laughs> be someone who sees all people as children of God and image bears. Be okay with difference. And please don't demonize those you, are, you differ from. Oh, if you could just do that. Be, be okay being calm when someone's arguing with you or you know, posting those articles. Let me just say this too. Don't waste any energy on Facebook comments. Go in peace. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and and when, when your in-laws come over and, and want to talk, just listen and ask questions. Okay, so that's, I think I jumped. Okay, so uh, be, uh, believe the best in people. That's really hard. Don't interrupt. Listen intentionally to others. Imagine not interrupting. Okay, keep going. Let's, this is just how we're gonna engage in this politi- political season. Be kind to everyone. Don't stereotype. Apologize quickly and be a servant to others. So these are, um, this will be part of the community group curriculum. We're gonna put this out there, just inviting people to look at politics as a good thing. Um, it's how we arrange common life to, uh, together. And that when the system is not working for everyone, we need to stop, pause, listen, protest, think about and work towards making sure the system works for everyone. There are two different kingdoms that are operating at the same time. And I wanna invite you to operate in one, the kingdom of God. And with that comes all sorts of virtues and ways of existence that are different than the kingdom of the world. Be a person of peace. Listen, don't interrupt. All these things are attributes. Take one and run with it this week so that we can be salt and light. So that when we go into the world when we sit at coffee shops or when we were talking to our coworkers, they think, gosh, the way that you're talking about these subjects, these issues, these policies, it's just rooted in something else. There's got to be a greater source and you could say, yeah, 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 I believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And as that, you go as witnesses bringing a redemptive work of Christ into all the world. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.